the day before Thanksgiving in 1971, a man identifying himself as Dan Cooper bought a plane ticket from Portland to Seattle. He hijacked the plane, claiming he had a bomb in his briefcase and demanded $200,000 in four parachutes. He jumped out of the plane with the money and the bomb somewhere over the Pacific Northwest, never to be seen again. The FBI claims to have investigated over a thousand people, including dozens of deathbed confessions. In 2016, 45 years after the hijacking, the FBI suspended its investigation of the case. While the FBI is no longer looking for D.B. Cooper, there is a community of people who are trying to solve the case on their own. Welcome to the Cooper Vortex. On this episode, we are covering Stephen Stanislaw Jr. In 1979, Stephen Stanislaw Jr. murdered his father, but was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Back in November, I came across a blog that reported his daughter was sure he was responsible for several other crimes in the 60s and 70s, including the D.B. Cooper heist and Zodiac murders. Carol Ann Stanislaw didn't know her father growing up, but she's done a lot of research on him. She was able to meet him later in life, and her and her sisters agree he was the Zodiac killer and was likely the one who hijacked Flight 305. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Carol Ann Stanislaw. Let's get started with, did you know your dad? I did not know him. I met him later in life. I met him um, later on in life, and he was at the time institutionalized. Um, I knew him the last couple years of his life. And how old were you when you first met him? You know, I, I, I'd have to like write it down when I, cause I'd have to look at pictures and stuff to remember the exact time frame. Um, he, he passed away in 2013 and, and I believe I went to see him for the first time in 2007. And so what did your mom tell you about him growing up? My mother um, was very, uh, she didn't talk much about my father. Um, We knew to be afraid. Um, She told us to never trust him, no matter what. Um, We we were on the run from my father. We lived um, a life on the run. We used names that were not our names. Um, We were enrolled in school under... Uh, the last name of Smith, not our real last name. And that is the name that we went by, not legally, but that's the name that we used um, when we introduced ourselves to people at school um, throughout our childhood. We went under an assumed name for protection. Um, We were on the run, clearly. Was he behind bars at the time? Um. No. Um, Up until 1979, uh, actually, I'm sorry, 1981, he was sent to a maximum security uh, mental institution, the Forensic Center for the Criminally Insane, after he murdered my grandfather. Um, He killed my grandfather in 1979, and then the court 
the court procedures happened. And by 1981, I believe it's April of 1981, he was um, sent to the forensic center. How old were you in 1981? I was, I graduated in 83. I was 16 years old. Were you aware of that at the time? No. When did you become aware of that? My aunt, Pat, she, um, somehow we reunited. I, I believe I found my aunt, Pat, and my mother, my sister, and I invited her to my home in Saginaw at the time, Saginaw, Michigan. And she told us what happened. Um, he, my father killed my grandfather, which was, um, is my father's father. And that's when we learned that he murdered my grandfather. Now my mother knew and my entire family knew about the time that he murdered Connie Crossland in 1963. Um, that was information that was rather, I mean, it was given to us over the table talk is, if that makes any sense. Like as kids, we would hear little bits and pieces about the murder of Connie Crossland, um, but he was never convicted of it. Um, but my grandfather, that that was um, that was a sure, you know, we knew, my Aunt Pat told me. And how did he get caught for the murder of his father? Um, he actually called, it wasn't 911, I, I don't think back then, but he called an emergency help and they came to the house to try to help my grandfather. And he was there like when the police arrived after he, um, he, he beat him. And so he wasn't, he, my, my grandfather wasn't, he didn't actually die right then and there. He languished for, oh, I would say I'd have to look at the file for about six days and then he passed away. Oh my God, that's horrible. Absolutely. And he did that to his own father. To his own father, uh, yes. And then uh, um, uh, I was able to get my, um, through a lot of um, FOIA requests, I was able to get the homicide file from the city of Detroit. And in that file, it's amazing some of the things that are in that file. Not a very nice man, for sure. L let me ask you a question. You touched on it briefly. What was it like growing up and, and being on the run, being on hiding? Did you know why? Well, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, kids are so resilient. And looking back, um, it didn't feel like we were on the run. I, I mean, I knew we were in hiding. I knew, you know, we weren't supposed to say like my mother would um at one point she I went to a new school and it had like this fence around the the playground and she said whatever you do if someone calls your name don't look up and it was really bizarre because I knew why she she didn't want my dad to be able to single me out as a little girl um looking back when things like that come to your mind um, you realize how bad it really was. Um, it was it was scary, but at the same time, my mother was she had like this game face. She made everything okay, and I, I just give her a lot of credit. I can't imagine raising children under that amount of stress and fear. 
to being afraid that a killer is going to come get you. Well, you, you know, Darren, I let you um, look at the the Connie Crossland file, and you you've seen the abuse in that file, the abuse she suffered, and the abuse you know my sisters and I suffered. I mean, it was very apparent in that file. It absolutely was. And they name him specifically. So why didn't anything happen? Well, back in the day, they did not have the DNA, the forensics. It just wasn't what we have today. So if he completely denied it, in which he did, even when he had the polygraph test, um, he failed it miserably. But he said he didn't know anything about it. And so there there were no fingerprints available. And the the DNA wasn't there. So it was his word against the police officers, basically. But you know, that rope that um, that that he used on Connie, did you read where it was a rope from aviation? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many. um, There's just a lot of a lot there that you can't overlook. But you know, my mom. You know, Darren. Did you um, you recall seeing where he actually took my mother to the bridge? Yes, I was going to ask you about that. So he brought your mom out to the place where where Connie was murdered, and yeah, told her about it, and basically said that she could end up just like Connie. See, and that Darren, that's what my family. My family had that fear put in there. You know. In, that's why we ran. He had no problem telling everyone, it's specifically my family, you, you know, you better not say a word or you'll end up like Connie Crossland. He had no problem saying that to people. But then you also sent me this letter that was for a handwriting sample, but I read the letter and the letter, it sounds like he's talking about how he's, he's sad that he's missing out on family life and he misses, I assume it's your mom. Uh, that, that was manipulation. And also he would say he, he had a really weird sense about the way he communicated. He would be saying like, he would write things, um, at the end of that letter, I didn't send you the, the end part, but he said, um, he'll, he'll say things that sound genuine and sincere and, and even caring at times where, um, but he has a totally different meaning for what he's saying. Um, at the end of that letter, he said that um, he would wait to get my mother back um, no matter how long it took. And the way he said it was really odd. And anyone who reads it, can it's like a hidden message. He has, he has a way of communicating where he would say, say things one way, but when you listen to it, you would know that he was trying to get at something else. And I'm not sure what kind of personality that is. Um, but he truly, he talked like he had two different ways of saying things where he, he, he could say it without really threatening you, but you knew if you looked at it, you knew there was another meaning to it. Similar to the, the Zodiac killer, which you believe he is also. Right. Absolutely. And the common thread here and people, unless they look at what I, you know, before I realized, uh, I, before I put two and two together that he most likely is DB Cooper as well is when I started seeing all the, the airplane references in the Zodiac letters 
And I'm not sure if you noticed those. Um, there's a lot of uh, words and clues that look to me as if they're airplane aviation related. Like what, for example? Oh, are you, regarding the Zodiac letters? Um, well, did did you happen to see where the return, um, one of the symbols in the return address area of the letter that's that's part of that's like a a airstrip it's part of an airstrip landing um if you look at an aerial or aviation map you can see where the way that the air um it sounds crazy it's where the the airport has like a certain pattern where the airfield lies and then you know the the way it's laid out and you can see um, it's on my, my Twitter. You can see clearly that it's part of the, uh, the air, the airport, uh, layout. Yeah. Um, I just pulled it up right now. I was looking for it. Yeah. I have all these so documents I'm trying the- to organize, but yes. Um, the, the shape of the, the runway, it's got this X shape and then surrounding it, it's got that weird M shape that's got kind of yeah. an F on the tail that the Zodiac used as the return address. Right. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> and then below, and then if you, are you on my Twitter right now? Uh, this page was on something you posted on a website called Cora, a question oh, okay. on the website. Okay. And then um, on my Twitter, there's also an example of the, um, the way he used the, the X, um, there's an X symbol on there and you can see that's another, um, aerial view of an air airfield or airport. Um, and and these are airfields that are significant to, to him. Oh, absolutely. Okay. When during the, this is, you know, a long time ago, but during the uh, initial days of aviation, my family lived in Detroit and my grandparents owned an air, airmail company called National Airways. And they would, they were contracted with the federal government to to run the airmail routes daily. And so they from the early days, my family was involved in aviation. And so my father, he was born in 1937. He, as, as he got a little older, he went on the airmail routes with my grandparents. And, and I have all this documented. I have, you know, I have files, very big files. So um, he would go on the airmail routes with my grandfather and back in the day, there wasn't a lot of uh, regulations. He was able to do that. And so my father learned how to navigate um, from the air. He used landmarks. Um, as a you know, as a young child, he could pretty much get from point A to point B. Um, you know, if he had to, if he, if my grandfather asked him, you know, which way to go, my father could look at the the landmarks and say, he was very gifted. And so um, from early on, that's all my father knew was aviation. Yeah. And in the, the 40s, 50s and 60s, there wasn't that high a percentage of people who were flying quite often. No. And actually, um, 
I'll share a photo of you at some point, and you'll be surprised at some of the people that are in the photo of my uh, my grandfather with some of the people he um, he knew. Oh yeah, like who? You're gonna think it's crazy, but I have a picture of my grandfather with Charles Lindbergh, and Charles Lindbergh used to run the airmail routes. That's pretty cool. Um, Detroit. Yeah, and, and and you know I have it scanned. I I I'll be able to send it to you. And that's your grandpa so, that uh, your dad Stephen Stanislaw murdered. Yes. And did I send you the um, the scan of the aviation papers from when they were trying to get my grandfather a telephone because he for his job? No, I didn't. Okay. Well, I w- I meant to send you that. It's um, very interesting. It's a photo, um, and, it, and it gives his job title. He was a federal aviation uh, federal investigator um, for the CAA at the time. It was the CAA, and um, see, I, I, my point is, is I'm, I just want you you to realize the 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 history in my family. It wasn't just like some one day, you know, my dad. He spent a lot of time at the airports. My grandfather was the director for the city of Detroit airport um, before retiring. Like I said, my father spent a lot of time at airports. He He's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to find the photo right now. I'm not very good at multitasking. Oh, no worries. So let me ask you this. You said your aunt... Uh, reached out to you and started to talk to you about that. Is that when you started really looking into your dad? Um, no, actually, the um, is what happened is my my sister Sue. She was watching a documentary. Okay, she she went ahead and, and corresponded with my father um, before any of us girls did um, against my mother's wishes, of course, and she. Uh, contacted my dad. They were corresponding um, back and forth. He would send her letters. Um, you know, just she would send him cigarettes, different things. He was still incarcerated, well, in the hospital, I should say, for killing my grandfather. Which he well, was found not guilty for by reason of insanity. Yes. Um, so she corresponded with him and she, she, she knew he had a lot of problems. It's obvious, but is what happened is she was watching a documentary on the Zodiac. And and this may sound really bizarre, but this is how it went. She was watching a documentary and she saw the writing and it, she just freaked out because she recognized it as being my dad's writing. And she, she thought, Oh my gosh, you know, she went to the letters they're written in felt tip marker. She has them to this day. Um, and she tried to tell our family like this, this, this is, you know, the writing that was on the documentary. I'm quite sure of it. And my mom, all of us, we thought she may have, you know, maybe having a nervous breakdown or something because we just couldn't wrap our mind around it. And she has a son that's brilliant. He um, was class valedictorian. And um, when she showed her oldest son, he was like, Mom, you have to go to the police. And she tried. 
And, you know, to tell any of this, no one will believe you. I mean, and I understand that part of it. But it's really hard to not be believed when you're trying to tell. Well, when Anthony, my nephew, um, said she needed to go to the police, that's when the rest of my family thought, well, let's take a look at it. And I'm telling you, the letters um, that she has, along with, she has um, bus tickets and air, air tickets and hotel receipts that put my father in California during the times of the Zodiac. It's not a complete set, um, but they're there. It, um, another thing before I go any further, I want to tell you, she, they were, um, they were with each other in terms of, she would go visit him. She would take him cigarettes. Well, before he left for the hospital, he gave her his car and she drove it. But in the trunk, this is where the receipts and the plane tickets come in. In the trunk of the car um, were boxes of clothes and papers and photos and nothing too odd. But she she got rid of the clothes over the years, but she kept that box with the, the maps and the photos and the odds and ends in it, not realizing that she would see later that that would tie things together. Well when she watched the documentary and noticed the writing and tried to tell our family, um, we, you know, like I said, we all thought that, you know, something's off, but then she got the box of, uh, of the plane tickets and bus tickets and hotel receipts. She got all of that out and she started putting things together and to see it, it sounds too, it sounds really bizarre, but, it was spot on. She took my older sister and I, and we went in my room. This time I lived in Grand Rapids and she sat, laid it all out for us. And Darren, it's indisputable. You all, she had, you all three agreed. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you know, my mom, you know, she, she did not like to talk about anything, but she did. She had, um, she sat down the oldest grandsons and she said that she was, 99.9 or, you know, it was almost a hundred percent sure that their grandfather was the Zodiac killer. And, you know, to me, that's all I need, but there's so much more. You can't, cannot deny the things that we have. And not just the Zodiac, uh, at Oakland County child killings, Zodiac, um, DB Cooper and the murder of his father. Yeah. And see, the thing is, is when I try to tell law enforcement, when I try to tell them, when they, when they pull up his uh, criminal history, those crimes don't show. The Connie Crossland doesn't show, but you've seen the file. And then the, the murder of my grandfather doesn't show because he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. So the minute you try to tell them that, that you think he, he may have killed other people. They don't even see the two crimes that you're, you're sure of. And that's been an obstacle. That's got to be so frustrating. Well, the sad part about it, it is frustrating. Um, but the hardest part for me is thinking about the, the, the families 
I know, I know there's still family members alive and there's even victims of that. Is it Brian Hart now? And then the, the attorney in California, well, there's an attorney that was attacked as well and he's still alive. And it just would be nice for them to have some kind of closure because, you know, I know what it's like to look over my shoulder wondering, you know, am I, am I safe? But to have that happen to you, and not know. I, I just can't even imagine it. Have you submitted his DNA? I guess I should ask a different question first. Do you have his DNA? Well, um, I, when he passed away, I contacted the funeral home and I asked them to get his latents and to swab his DNA, in which they did. They did both. I have his DNA here at my home. But since the GED match and the genetic, uh, the genealogy has come into play, which none of us <laughs> could even imagine that happening, um, they can use my DNA. And, and I did make sure my DNA is on public um, you know, access so that law enforcement can use it. But, oh, yes, I do have his DNA here. Have you had any interest or inquiry in, in that from law enforcement? Well, Darren, the thing is, is I have um, asked them to help me in terms of, you know, getting his DNA entered into CODIS. And like there, there's procedures that they have to follow, but there's also they have to like find you credible. And when I try to tell them uh, the things that I know he's done, um, they they have a hard time believing it because of the cases. I mean, it, they're notorious cases. It's hard to find someone that will listen to you. And the the criminal history shows that he was, if you, I don't know if you've had a chance, but it is on my uh, Facebook. Um, well, I, it's my, I think it's uh, Seeking the Truth in the Way. Yeah, Seeking the Truth in the Way on Facebook. I have listed his criminal history. And on that criminal history, it will show that he was incarcerated um, during the time of the first Zodiac murder. And I, and I'm not sure how much you've looked into this, but I went and got the, the, the disposition of his charge. And they reduced his charge to, from 90 days in jail to two years probation. And I, and I have that, that paper um, I think it's on my, no, I know it's on my Facebook page where they reduced his sentence from 90 days jail to two years probation. And they did not update his criminal history. So when I say the Zodiac, they're go, they'll look at it and go, wait, <laughs> he was in jail, but absolutely not. I was so sure that I had to, I did more FOIAs and I got the disposition of that charge. Um, I'm going to, I don't know if you can pull up the Facebook right now, but all of it's there. I mean, it's, it's very clear. I, 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 I was, Oh yeah. You have a ton of documents on the Facebook page, a ton of them. Oh yeah. And, and the thing is, is that I, I'm, I'm not very computer literate in terms of laying things out in a way to make it m make more sense. If I had that ability, I'm sure that it would probably have a have more look you know more people looking at it is that why you think this story isn't getting the attention that it deserves it ha i think that is the reason i mean you, you know i don't even like a lot of people that i know i don't even tell them because 
to sit, unless you know a lot about the cases, you, it's all bizarre. It's like, oh yeah, right. You know, like this is really true. Like your dad is the Zodiac killer. Try telling someone that (laughs) they, you know, (laughs) it's ridiculous. And I've seen other people in the past. There's been a couple people that tried to say the same thing. And I see where people think they're, you know, not credible, but I, like I said, I have so much information that if someone took the time just to see where I've, you know, I can show you why it's not on his criminal history, you know, the, that, why, I'm sorry, not why it's not, but why his criminal history um, doesn't compare to the timeline of the Zodiac. Well, they never updated it. And I have the documents. I got them from the Detroit, you know, the, the, city of Detroit and the Michigan state police, all these documents are the documents they have. Yeah. I could understand you uh, being hesitant to tell people about it. When occasionally when people come out, they are overly criticized uh, about information. Uh, other people don't seem to be open-minded or willing to listen to the theory. I assume that's what's happened to you. Well, I feel, I think a lot of the people that have vast knowledge of these cases have like their guy pegged. And then I think a lot of it is pride. A lot of it is it kind of shoots their narrative out of the water. And it's hard to come to terms with maybe that you were wrong. So some of the best people that could help me are unwilling to help me because then their theory would be wrong. And to me, that's not what this is about, you know? So yeah, if the experts could just, if I had one Zodiac expert or one D.B. Cooper, you know, expert sit down and go through some of my files, I'm sure that they would be pretty surprised. I think that's well said. When did you start connecting your dad to D.B. Cooper? Well, um, it, it came about in an odd way. My dad and I, we had conversations over the phone and he talked, he, it was almost like he was trying to like give a confession because he would give so much information so quickly. Um, I started to record our conversations because I couldn't keep up. I was trying to write it all down. And um, he, he would always tell me about a stewardess. He never said her name. He never you know, he didn't elaborate too much, but he always, he referred to the stewardess that was not very happy with him. He would say, she was mad at me. And the way my dad talked, unless, if you heard the audio, you would understand um, why I kind of changed my, because he, he, he he had a really odd, he talked really odd. Um, But anyways, he would say, yeah. I'd love to hear the audio. I have, um, hours and hours. In fact, I would love to, I would like to have someone transcribe them. And now with the new, um, the software that's available, I wonder if some of it could be transcribed. Um, he, he talked so fast and he's, it, it would just be remarkable if somebody could, especially that part where he, the, there's several parts where he mentioned the stewardess, but there's one part particularly where he mentions the stewardess and how she was mad at him and the way he said it, it was like, what are you trying to say? You know, and then after that, I started looking into um, just if there was any stewardess that may have been murdered. You know, I I kind of go that route. Like I 
if I hear him say something or if he mentions a certain city, I would kind of do a little research and find out if he was trying to say something to me. Cause he did talk in riddles almost at times. And also, like I told you, he'd give like a dual, dual meaning. And so I did start looking into the DB Cooper. I did not realize the handwriting was on the vault at this. You know, I just learned of that. You told me that months ago. Right. Um, but at the time, um, the, the description of him, um, the, the wanted poster, it fit my dad to a T. Um, he was from the Midwest. Um, the, the olive skin, the, um, he, he kept himself really nice. Um, my dad did wear nice clothes and he kept himself nice. And so there were much more than that, but I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. It just all came together slowly. It wasn't anything I was thinking, oh my gosh, he's the D.B. Cooper too, you know? Um, but when I went to see him and some of the things he had, like he had, um, you remember the clothes, the D.C. clothes? I don't even know if they still make them. But he had the, the glasses on that D.B. Cooper wore. And then he had this um, this ball cap. But he also had like this shirt that said DC on it. I thought, gosh, I think the DB Cooper signed his name DC at one time. Wasn't there initials DC? I'm not sure. I can't, I can't remember that off the top of my head, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think I think someone misunderstood what he said. Uh, the in the case where they had it down as DC Cooper. You know what? I think oh, it's well, one they, of the. Um, he boarded the plane as Dan Cooper. The DB Cooper was misreported by the by the media. Okay, and then in the letter, I think there was a DC in the on, in the vault. If you look on the letters, I think that he wrote. Um, something DC. But anyways, that's here nor there. But there was like a lot of different things. And then when I realized that um, the plane that he chose was the the plane that had the, the staircase that would be the only safe plane that you could open the, the cab, um, you know, open up the, the plane without it depressurizing, my dad would know that. He would know that. Like, there's no way he wouldn't know that. Right. Because his father was in the air package business air absolutely delivery. yeah you know and um when he was a little boy in tennessee they did a, a an article in the local newspaper that said for my dad was four at the time they did this big article on him because he could tell you the kind of plane um from just listening in the air when the airplane came you know was approaching he wouldn't even look at the airplane and he was able to tell the people exactly what it was. <laughs> the type of plane, the kind, you know, the kind of plane at four years old. He was, he was quite, quite the character. Yeah. Not many kids would have been able to do that. No. What do you think his motivation was for pulling off the D.B. Cooper skyjacking? Uh, my dad had this. I don't know exactly what it would be, but he felt he was better than everyone. He thought he was smarter than everyone. Um, he treated people like everyone was below him. Um, he, I don't know if it, what his motivation would be other than he knew he could do it. 
Did you ever ask him outright if he did it? You know, I never asked him about the D.D. Cooper. I, I did ask him about the Zodiac. See, I just I just stumbled upon the D.B. Cooper, the last part of his life. I didn't I didn't even think that, you know, I didn't even put two and two together. Um, but I was quite sure of the Zodiac. And um, but when I look at all the similarities, um, the Zodiac to the D.B. Cooper, I, I'm not sure how law enforcement can't see the similarities, especially like the taunting of the police, writing letters, making phone calls. Um, yeah, he he did the, sim, the same types of things that he did with the Zodiac. If you look at both cases, there's way more similarities than people than people realize. Yeah, a lot of people have speculated they were the same person. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, even right down to the Wing Walkers. I just watched the movie about three weeks ago. My my son um, came down from Michigan, and it was weighing heavy on my heart. And I asked him, I said, do you mind watching that with me? I, I just have never been able to bring myself to it. But my, my son did say in the past that the Zodiac wore the Wing Walkers. And that makes perfect sense to me. Um in terms of who has wing walkers. <laughs> I mean, how many people have those just to put on, you know, maybe a lot, maybe not, but it just, he knew that even the t kind of shoes to wear. Yeah. That's really interesting. Didn't he wear the wing walkers or was that the Zodiac? That was the Zodiac. D.B. Cooper was wearing loafers. Loafers. Okay. I'm sorry. But that, 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 that's another correlation, though, like for the Zodiac to have wing walkers on. Why would he have wing walkers? So, yeah, that's my bad. I'm sorry. I, I forgot. Um, I watched the Zodiac with my son after all these years. What did your dad say when you confronted him about being the Zodiac? You know, he, he never admitted it. He did say later in that conversation, and I found this really weird, but he said, you know... If Pops was alive, he said, if Pops was alive, I'd ask him to go to the movies. And that was right after the Zodiac movie came out. And I just thought, what a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Like, what? what's the double meaning there? I can't figure that one out. I knew exactly what he was trying to say. Was it weird talking to him, being suspicious that he had done all these things and that he had absolutely killed people? Well, the first couple times I talked to him, the first couple times I, I talked to him, I was shaking. I was shaking because, you know, I knew I was on a, uh, and, and I feel bad even saying this, but I, I had a mission. I wanted to find out what was going on. I wanted answers. And yeah, the first couple times was really weird. Had you already talked to your sisters about the Zodiac before you reached out to him? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Definitely. And my mother. When my mother confirmed it, I was like, I'm doing whatever it takes to, to get to the bottom of this. And it's taken me, you know, obviously it's, it's a journey. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Yes. But I took a break because I figured with the Jed match and the genealogy that it's just a matter of time. You know, I was hoping that law enforcement had some good samples and that they would run the, you know, the genealogy testing, but I'm not sure where that is or if they even have a viable DNA sample of D.B. Cooper. That's a great question. Uh, from what I've heard, they have a partial profile. 
that they've said could rule people out, but not necessarily to uh, get an exact match. Okay. Um, I uh, I have uh, some paperwork that makes my grandfather, okay, the tie that D.B. Cooper was wearing, it had um, a some what what was the the element that was found on that tie a, a trace element uh titanium there you go um and that was and it makes sense that that they said that that was something from someone who worked in the air aviation mm-hmm. that the only people that would have came into contact with that were people that worked for boeing and I, i'm not real I haven't studied this as much as I should have, and I apologize, but um, it makes sense that that would be found on on the tie. If it if it if it is my father that that did it, it would make sense because my grandfather worked in with the federal government, and he worked in um, Donaldson, Tennessee, at one point. There was a big. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that project, but there was a big project in the 40s where my grandfather literally moved his whole family down there and he worked for the federal government in one of the plants down there. I'm not sure of the project. I'd have to Google it to tell you the exact, um, but that's where my my uncle Roger was born, was Donaldson, Tennessee, and that is probably, I'm not sure if the titanium lasts for a long time, but I mean, it could be embedded in ties. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. And a tie never gets washed either. So, Oh, wow. What did, did your dad have any parachuting experience or military service? Yes, he was in the army. I'm not sure if he learned to, to parachute, but I'm not saying he's never said one way or another, if he ever jumped out of a plane. Yeah, I'm not sure if he did like back when he was younger and, and he would go in the planes with, you know, the people. I, I don't know. I can't say for sure. What do you think the reaction has been to the to your story? I, I haven't went and did enough on this. It's kind of like, OK, I'm trying to raise a child with special needs. I, I care for my daughter. I have a family. I work. You know, at the, there was times when I was still in college as a, a you know, as an adult. Um, I have not actually, okay, I kind of like put my Facebook out there and was like, I hope someone sees this. I hope I get help. You know, the timing is everything, that kind of thing. I've never like made a video or a, a file that I could send and show. I just was hoping that someone on the internet could see um, what I was trying to relay but they don't see, they can't see it because I'm not an expert. I don't know how to put it together in a format that would make everybody go, wow, I see the correlation, you know? Well, hopefully that's what we're doing right now, right? I hope so. I hope someone will um, look at all the connections and they're, they're very obvious when you start, if you just take the idea of aviation, airplanes, um, uh, letter writing and the, the, you know, he left letters and writing at, even at the scene of my grandfather, he wrote on the walls of the, of the, you know, in the house, he wrote on the walls and he used, um, uh, shoe, shoe polish 
but he did um, the like a flight pattern on the walls of the, the crime scene. Um, I know it, it's bizarre. You'd have to see the photos. Um, and then the Connie Crossland, they found a bank receipt that said, I hope this does the job. You know, like, and then you go to the Zodiac murders. He, you know, he did the same. He wrote letters. He did letters with the D.B. Cooper and he taunted the police. I mean, um, and all of the letters you can find aviation clues. Yeah. And I mean, when I was researching your dad, it seemed pretty obvious to me that he's most likely involved in the Connie Crossland murder. I mean, it seems like there's a very high likelihood that he's involved, which is the first of the Oakland County child killings, right? Right. And he, you know, then obviously murdered his own father. Seems like there's a good chance he was up to no good between there. He took Polaroid pictures of my grandfather as he lie dying. And those are that's a clue in the Oakland County case and... I'm sure there's other cases that Polaroid photos were used. I don't know. I would have to, but maybe that wouldn't be something the police would, you know, just tell. But my father took pictures of my grandfather dying and set them all over the dresser. I mean, it was the most bizarre thing. Yeah, that's that's pretty bizarre to say the least. And uh, one of the things in one of the homicide pictures of the crime scene, there's a pilot suit hanging in the closet of my, uh, because they, the photos that are in the homicide of my grandfather, um, it shows the scene and all the, the writing on the walls and in the closet, they didn't particularly take the picture for the, the closet itself, but in the background of the, the closet doors wide open and there is a, an aviation suit, pilot suit, air force. It's, it's a suit that it's a uniform. And I would have to have somebody look at it to, to be able to determine the exact uniform. But that's not something someone would just happen to have in their closet. Did he ever show any remorse or anything over killing his father? He, he didn't have feeling. He, he didn't have any feeling. He, when you talk to him, he, like, he didn't smile. He didn't laugh. He didn't show any emotion. It was almost like... Like he was programmed. I know it sounds bizarre, but he didn't like have emotion. I don't know how to explain it. I never really thought about it, but he did. He did. He did not have emotion. Well, it's interesting you say that because the on the airplane they talked about DB Cooper being you know calm, cool, and collected the whole time when he's trying to pull off this crazy heist. Well, and that's the thing. Being like when I asked him about the Zodiac, he acted like I didn't really even say that. Now, if someone asked you that normally, you would be like, what? What are you talking about? No, he just kind of, it rolled off his chest and we went on with the conversation. It's like, I wanted to know and he wouldn't tell me. Yeah, I would definitely have a reaction if somebody accused me of being a serial killer. Right. Oh, and he wouldn't take, he would not take responsibility for the the murder of my grandfather either. He he said that it wasn't his fault. Like he didn't, he said that, he said something about Japanese, you know, the man was mentally ill. So um, I don't know why he would have said it was something to do with the Japanese. I have no idea, unless maybe he was trying to tell me something else. But he, shortly after 
Um, I asked him about my grandfather. He mentioned the Japanese. So <laughs> I don't know. How, how was he found mentally ill in the trial? I, I don't know, but it took them a while because he killed my grandfather in October of 79. And he did not go to the hospital, the forensic center until uh, looking and I'm thinking it's May of 1981. So I don't know. He had a lot of records, medical records that maybe they used. And then the way he presented when he was um, upset, it showed in the Connie Crossland file how, you know, how bizarre he acted. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting guy in that Connie Crossland file. Hmm. It's horrible. Yeah, I can't. Well, you've seen where he tied he tied us up, the kids. He tied the, us, us kids up, and he used, like, a specific knot. And they had my mother demonstrate that knot because that's the way he would do it the same way every single time when he tied her up and tied us kids up. Yeah, I can't believe that there was – we have this police report. I have it sitting on the floor in front of me, and nothing was done about it. I know. It's really, well, my, my aunt Pat's husband worked, um, he was a, a, an officer for one of the local police departments and I, and I'm not saying, and I'm not even speculating. Um, I don't know if they said, we'll just send him to the hospital or I, you know, I, I don't know if, if they just kind of said lay off and we'll send him to the hospital. Don't, don't, I don't know how it worked back then. And how long after that did your mom run away? Well, I have probate records from 1966 um, that say that she, you know, gave details on her leaving and they did an ex ex parte um, restraining order, which was unheard of back then. Um, The last I knew that they were like together was 1966. And she told me that she had to make a plan, an escape plan to, to get us out of the house. And is how she did it is she let the neighbor know that if she came knocking on the door, no matter what time of day or night to let her in with the kids. And that's how she got away. He exhausted himself and he always slept with a shotgun. And she exhausted her, he exhausted himself and she went to the neighbor's house and let us in. And that's how we were able to be safe at that point. And then she never went back after that. Yeah, it was definitely a much harder time, I imagine, for a, a woman and, and two or three kids to escape on her own than today. Right. And so in 1966, she was able to get away. And then um, from. That During that time, I, the letter that I have that I partially shared with you has um, a portion in it where he states that for the past five years, which would be the time of the Zodiac killings, that he was really living it up and that he gambled his life away. And he made statements to, to like almost specifically stating during that time frame. And that's when they started. Yeah. And just in the portion I have it. He basically says he didn't really have a job the whole time. When he was with my mom, no. My mom worked. She worked so hard. Bless her heart. Yeah, how'd she end up with such a terrible guy? 
Well, you know, I asked her that. She said that um, if she would have known, the family told her that he had suffered um, like a, a some type of mental breakdown overseas. They never said the brutality that they suffered beforehand. She, they never, they never, you know, they're very charming. Abusers are very charming. And I guess she left a real nice guy and went with my dad. And she said that she would have never chosen to have, and, and you know, it's hard for a mom to say this, but she said she would have never had kids with him if she would have known the problems that he had. Oh, I'm sure. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Right. Well, what would you like people to know uh, about this, Carol Ann? I would like to be able to, I would like everybody to, to look at my, my Facebook and my Twitter and kind of go in with an open mind and understand that the documents that I, I have and that they're, you know, they don't contradict um, each other if you look at the whole picture. Um I would love to be able to someday share the audio and I even have video of my dad. And I know if someone listened to the audio and the video and, and watched the video, they would pick up on things that I, I have no clues about. I just would really like to have someone to honest to godly help me with this and understand that it's not something that anyone wants in their life. I mean, I wanted to have a good dad, you know, I wanted a dad. And it's not just something that we concocted. I mean, over the years, this took years to put together. I'll look into having, uh, seeing if I can help you get someone transcribe those tapes. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be really, and it would be helpful because I know there's more in there than what I, what I'm able to put together. Right. So, you know, I have my dad's fingerprints. They're on, on. A card, you know, they're on, they were put on cardboard, or I should say a print card. If, if those could be put in somehow, if they, I know they can put the latents from a card into the system. It, that would be remarkable. But how, how do you get one to do that? That's a great question. I don't know. I've talked to quite a few people now in this DB Cooper community who are also frustrated. You know, they have DNA or fingerprints uh, on their suspect, but the FBI doesn't want to talk to them. They're not interested in hearing about it. Well, see, and that's the thing. All of my dad's crimes were committed before they put the fingerprints into CODIS. They had, all of his, as far as I know, are on latent cards. How do you get, you know, how, how would you get them to put it actually in the database? That's a great question. There's that question, and then... The, the DNA. I mean, now we have the genetic DNA and that's great. Yeah. But even with that genetic DNA, are, are they, is everything being compared to it? And then as soon as something pops up, there's a match or is there somebody who actively has to compare? Well, they have to, it has to, is what they do is I was explained that they, they put the the samples into GEDmatch's research samples. They don't give them a name. They, they just put them in as research samples. Law mm-hmm. enforcement does. You know, they wait and, and, you know, if it's a match, then they backtrack to find out, you know, who it can be up to. I think he said up to eight separations 
of relation. And so, I mean, it's vast. If they could, if all the law enforcement were able to put in the, the DNA, the cold case DNA samples into that dead match, uh, I mean, the backlog would be pretty much cleared. Yeah, that's a good point. If they can separate eight generations, then they should be able to solve a lot of cold cases. Absolutely. So I, I don't know um, how how we can get the law. I know that they know about it, obviously. I just don't know how we, you know, they the capability of their, you know, some some jurisdictions, they only have a little bit of, they don't have the resources. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, there's a lot more to this. Um like I said, um, the Zodiac sent the airmail. Um, some of the the letters of the envelopes have like air special, airmail. There's airmail. I mean, to single out the way he sent those and then to have that letter I sent to you. I'm not sure if you've seen the different characteristics on the, my dad's letter, the excessive postage, the airmail, the, oh, I think he put air special on my mom's letter. Um yeah, and then to have the D.B. Cooper, he sent letters. Now, I did not realize that D.B. Cooper sent letters, and yes. it's actual cursive. And that is the let that you know the letter, the portion of the letter I sent you is cursive. Now, if we could get a forensic document, you know, hand, you know what I'm saying, writing examiner to look at the 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 handwriting, they would be able to tell right away. Yeah, it certainly looks pretty close. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that another coincidence? I don't know. Maybe it is. Right. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, after I was told after there's so many coincidences that, um, you know, that's it's more of a probability, you know. Um, and like with that document exam I sent you when compared against the Zodiac um, that I had done years ago, um, there were specific words that were misspelled in the Zodiac letters that my dad misspelled. Did you see the results of that? I did. I have the results of it right here. Uh, in the way that he, like the same sample of um, the same, like he, he, he said, by the way, um, just in case. Those were traits in the Zodiac letters. And then the way he spelled the word lose, he spelled it loose in the Zodiac letter, in one of the Zodiac letters, and then in my mom's letter. I mean, those are... You know, three things that I, from a linguistic standpoint, those are pretty spot on. Yeah, I mean, the thing finishes up based on the available evidence. It's highly possible uh, the documents were written by the same person. Right. And, and like I said, that I thought that would be suffice to take to law enforcement. And um, at the time, the guy that I was in contact with, his name was John Hennessy. And he was not a very nice man. Um, he, he treated me like, like other, you know, like, like I was trying to make stuff up. But at the time I, I said, I wanted to show him that. And I did. And he said, it has no merit. It, the, the gal that did the testing does not have the credentials that we're looking for. And so I thought, okay, that's another stumbling block, but it, I've tried. I, Darren, I have tried to get to the bottom of this. And now um, with the D.B. Cooper, I mean, the picture of my dad is identical. I mean, 
it's very close. It is. And then he had those glasses when I went to see him. I'm like, what? Why? You can't make it up. Yeah, he looks a lot like the sketch. That's for sure. Yeah, and um, does does anybody know if there was any uh, tattoos visible or anything? No visible tattoos. I've heard reports of a scar on his hand. Really? Huh. But, I mean, that, that could probably be debatable as well. Well, I wonder where the scar is. I have army records where it shows that he went to... What did they call it? He, he went to the doctor at the military base and he had to get sutured because he said his hand accidentally went through a, a pane of glass. So that would be interesting, but we would never know. I mean, unless we had proof, you know? Yeah, and you haven't had any luck going to the police. Well, with the D.B. Cooper now, of course, that is closed. Am I correct? Well, the FBI... Uh, closed the case in 2016 just in the way that they're not going to invest any more resources in the case. They said if you come to us, you know, with a parachute or a wad of 20s from the hijacking, then we'll listen. But they're not actively investigating the case anymore. Okay. Well, I wonder if someone would be interested in analyzing the document the letter that I have from 1971 written by my father in comparison to to compare to the the letters written in cursive in the FBI vault when was the letter written in 71 um I'd have to look at the postage the the mark on the the postage um I believe it was September that's interesting the hijacking was in November right and the thing is with the, um, yeah, um, someone could look at that letter. Uh, it, now, do you know, um, I was, someone on Twitter mentioned that the FBI vault letters were not valid. And I and I felt like that, that was, I didn't think that was right because the FBI, it was in the FBI vault. Well, that just pe- depends on who you talk to. Some people say that the letters are valid and written by the hijacker. Some people say they are not valid because they were not written by the hijacker, but I don't think anyone really knows. Okay, so if we had my dad's writing compared to those letters, the, the cursive letters, I mean, that would be an interesting take if we could find someone that would be willing to look at it. Absolutely. Where was he in, In uh, you said it was September of 71? Do you remember where he yeah. said he was? He was in... Um, Tarpon Springs, Florida. Okay, now I'm looking at this. He was in Tarpon Springs, Florida and sent this letter. I it just I, I opened a folder and here it is. Tarpon Springs, Florida, June 17th, 1971. Have you thought about writing a book or anything about this? With all the information that I have and the um, the examples I have, I would I would be more than willing to write a book. I would love to show people in a concise fashion what i have um it's just amazing you should look into that i mean i would definitely be willing to read it it's a it's a really interesting story well and you know with me being on your podcast i i started off very nervous um i have a lot going on here and then i i couldn't get uh, you, you know i couldn't get my email um they it wouldn't accept my browser on my son's computer 
And so I was a little nervous logging on. But um, anyways, I have, if I was a little more prepared, I, um, I would have been able to show you a lot more uh, of, you know, the correlations that I have. I could verbalize them a lot better. But like I said, if you, if people went, uh, you know, go to my Facebook, um, Seeking the Truth in the Way, and go through the photo albums and look at some of the things that I've put on there, it's undeniable that, um, you know, there's a great possibility that my dad could be involved in the Zodiac. And then when you add all the aviation clues and the, um, the, the aviation history in my family and the mere fact in that Connie Crossland file, you see that my dad did take flying lessons and that he hung out at Burr's Field in Detroit um, years and years of aviation, you know, and he was surrounded by, um, you can't, I think that it's worth taking a look at. And I'll have, I'll have a link to all that in the show notes too. So if people listening, uh, want to look into it or maybe even want to help you try and get this figured out. Yeah, that would be awesome. And you know, um, Darren, I did not even put two and two together of the aviation clues until my mom passed away in um, 2007, and pardon me, 2006. And she had an envelope in her belongings that had um, it had my grandfather's employment papers where he worked for the federal government. It had a birthday card of my dad's. Um, there was a picture of my grandfather and my father at an airfield. And, oh, there was a couple other things in that, in that uh, envelope. And when I opened it, that's when I realized that aviation was the bottom line for all of this. That they, because um, when I started looking at the, the letters, in the Zodiac, I realized that there was a lot of um, terms and airplane jargo, jargon, all kinds of things. And then the, 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 the way he put airmail and, you know, on the letters and there was just a lot there. And, and I would encourage anyone who has a, you know, a desire or, you know, just a hobby to look at at the Zodiac letters, look at the D.B. Cooper uh, letters in the vault. I wish you and I could narrow down the exact files that those are in so people didn't have to go through the entire D.B. Cooper file um, and, and just see if they can pick out different clues from aviation that, you know, once you get to five, it's kind of like, OK, especially with the Zodiac, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a really big Zodiac community. Have you gone on any groups or, or forums or anything and kind of presented what you have? Well, you know, I would be more than willing to do that. A lot of, like I said, a lot of the people have their guy pegged and they, they don't want to hear anything outside of that. But I would, I would be willing to, to sit down and talk with someone that had more of an open mind. Cause I know there's other, you know, there has to be people that are willing to listen. Yeah, definitely. I understand what you're saying about kind of presenting your information to a hostile crowd. And like I said, I, I, I'm a little bit, uh, I should have been a little bit more proactive, but like I said, it's hard to, to, to manage life and then, you know, try to solve this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. It's hard to, to solve a bunch of unsolved crimes and live a life. 
And like I said, I don't have the tools. Like I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not in aviation. I don't know. I could, can't pick out all the clues, but I'm sure someone that knows more about it can. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, is there anything else, Carol? No, I just appreciate the opportunity and hopefully we'll make some kind of progress on this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to look into seeing if I can help you get those tapes transcribed. The tapes and then the, the document exam would be, if you know anyone that just wanted to toss that around, um, you know, what else? Oh yeah. And then if we can encourage people to kind of like compare the DV Cooper, uh, letter letters, I should say with the, the Zodiac, just to kind of see if there's any terminology that's the same. Yeah, that sounds good. I can, uh, I can post those up also. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode with my friend, Carol Ann. Be sure to check out her Facebook page, KK Stanislaw, and her Twitter at I am God's underscore girl. And the blog I discovered her on is RetroKimmer.com. You'll find links to it all in the show notes. Thank you to Carol Ann Stanislaw for taking the time to tell me her story. Thank you to Russell Colbert for making this show possible. I'm Darren Schaefer, and thank you for listening to The Cooper Vortex.